Welcome to Nano Sessions, a NanoLumens podcast where we chat with the experts on all things visualization. Welcome to Nano Sessions, a NanoLumens podcast. I'm your host, Sean Heath. There are an awful lot of choices when it comes to Pro AV. There seems to be a new latest and greatest technology that pops onto the scene about every 16 to 17 minutes. And frankly, I'm really glad I don't have to keep up with every single one of those advancements. My guest on the podcast today is Joel Krieger. He's the Chief Creative Officer at Second Story. Joel, how are you today? I'm doing well, Sean. Thank you. You know, it's Friday. You must be exhausted. Uh, were, there, were there like a hundred new things that came out this week that caught your eye? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. I think, I think you're too kind. I struggle like the rest of us uh, to keep up with it. it the pace of changes um, is it, just absurd. And it's, it's, it's impossible to uh, be on top of it all. Um, I think the best you can do is to follow your curiosity and lean into the ones that speak to you. Um, it's just too much. It's like drinking from a fire hose. I want to filter down a little bit and let's make that more of drinking from a garden hose yeah. because I want to talk about something you've worked on recently. Uh, you have worked on something that is called Unify and it's a natural evolution of the natural shift from disruptive displays to productive integration. First off, give me the mindset on being focused on that move? Yeah, that's a great question. So the interesting thing that's happening right now, and we're really just witnessing the beginning of this spillover of digital things into the built environment. And so if you think about what happened with the internet, in the beginning, the internet was pretty interesting and it was like the Wild West. And eventually it got commercialized and advertising began to really take over. And you feel it. You feel it in the way that things pull you or try to capture your attention and think about the correlation of the rise of advertising on the internet with people saying, well, no, you know, I don't, I don't really want to be interrupted in downloading ad blockers. Well, the same thing is starting to happen in the built environment. So you're starting to see uh, more and more digital canvases in public and private spaces. Um, and our default modality is, well, what are we going to put on these things? Let's put advertising on it. Um, it's just a foregone conclusion. And it turns out that's not the only thing you can do with it. There are a lot more powerful ways to use um, a, di a digital canvas. Um, but most importantly, no one wants to be interrupted. And we seem to have trouble learning this lesson. Um, no one really likes to be interrupted with advertising. Uh, I think David Ogilvy had some famous quote about, you know, people um, hate advertising in general. They love advertising in specific. So there might be that one TV commercial that makes you laugh, but otherwise um, you kind of see it as a, as a nuisance. Um, and so I think what's interesting about this particular moment in the evolution of technology um, and our physical spaces is that we once again have a moment to kind of think about how we, how we treat the built environment and, and how we activate these canvases in a way that's in service of the people and the business. Um, and, and, and how do we do it in a way that's not interruptive, that's not intrusive? Because unlike your phone or your laptop, you know, you can close those. You can't shut off the built environment. And you use the right word there, environment. I think digital displays 
have grown up enough to where they're no longer just an object in the room. They are literally an integrated part of the overall aesthetic and of the environment. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, we're going to start to see more and more really seamlessly integrated architectural surfaces. You know, right now, I think that everyone's seen, you know, giant glowing rectangles in, in public spaces. Um, but they're going to begin to get a lot more subtle. We're going to start to see uh, really more creative ways that they're integrated into walls, ceilings, and floors. Um, and we're going to start to see um, a shift into um, things that are activated. So how do you begin to activate natural surfaces like wood, um, metal, glass, so that you know when, when you're not there, when no one's there, it's off. And your presence, your behavior can trigger this thing into an active state. Now, as a creative, how are you going to approach the need for content generation as these displays continue to evolve and they do become more a part of our environment? There's an interesting shift we're in the middle of right now, um, and, it, and it has to do with the way that content is produced. So I would say that in the old paradigm, you had this setup to where you know, you would you would have an idea and you would go into production and you are making assets in a 3D file or, or name the program of your choice and, and you output it, you render it out in a render farm and you end up with this video file that is a set length and it's a set content. And what we're moving to now uh, is a world where this content can be created in real time. So think about it like instead of building and rendering a set output, we're creating the rules of a universe. So we're using programmatic language to construct um, the laws of the space. Uh, and then you end up with a, with a computer program, a generative um, device that where, where events unfold um, in real time. So the, the images you're seeing um, are not pre-rendered, they're not canned. Um, they're being created in real time and, and they are um, always unique, always fresh, never repeating. Um, so the interesting thing here is you get out of this paradigm of content costing a certain amount per time and technique. What we created for Unify, for example, it, it's always going to be different. And it follows, um, I think, more organic patterns. Of course, this is an abstract generative artwork. Um, but the, the way it, it works is that it's following uh, more of an organic unfolding, almost like uh, you know the, the pitter-patter of rain on a leaf or the, the, the way that wind brussels through leaves, um, there's, there is a, a aesthetic cohesiveness to it, but it never feels repetitive. And that's a really important thing when you're developing a media piece for a space that people are gonna see um, every day as they come into work and as they leave. Um, the, the number one thing is you don't want it to feel old. Um, you want it to be something that people look forward to on their daily commute. How do you think about creating content um, or experiences that become a ritual in people's lives. So again, it's kind of back to that pivoting against that interruptive model. Let's not interrupt people. Let's let's give them something to look forward to. And that creative mindset is was the genesis of Unify. Um, is and that's in the Legacy Union Building. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Unify is a massive uh, generative audiovisual artwork in the in the lobby of the Legacy Union Building in Charlotte. Uh, which is one of Lincoln Harris's um, newest marquee buildings. I think the screen is something like 70 foot by 34, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so it's it's an epic canvas. When you start talking about sizes like that, my mind naturally goes to two places. 
Las Vegas, and Times Square. This approach, is this something that would work there? Or are those two display locations just too product-centric to allow this artistic approach? Yeah, it's it's funny. I think Times Square is a, a reference that comes up a lot these days. Um, you know, I think that Times Square is the epicenter of shouting, hey, look at me. Aren't I great? Look at my products. Look at my services. And I think that there's a really important ethical design conversation that needs to be taking place about what is the appropriate way to activate screens on mass like that. I mean, I, I think that it's fine to have a place in the world that's like that. But I, I think a lot of folks would agree it wouldn't feel right for that to spill over into every city, into every town. So Unify could absolutely work and that approach could work in an environment like, like either of those. I think the difference there is uh, with Unify, we're not trying to communicate a message. We're trying to create a feeling for a space. And in Times Square, you're in a world, a sea of competing messages. Um, people communicating messages, trying to get you to, to, uh, to look, to pay attention and to remember. With Unify, it's a bit different. You know, we're, we're thinking about there, there are other ways to calculate value or return on investment from a media piece. Um, and it's not always how many impressions of, of your advertising message can you get across. Um, you know, what's the value of how your employees feel in your building? How do you, how do you put a value on that? I think, I think that the industry is just a little bit behind in terms of our ability to measure um, the value that we create, uh, but there's a, we're just we're we're just scratching the surface with the types of modalities we can activate these digital canvases that that again are in service of both the people that are um, viewing it and the business as well. I'm having a moment uh, reflecting on Blade Runner and the dystopian, huge, reactive minority report auto sensing displays that everybody predicts for the future. When you talk about Times Square as being digital shouting, I would like to see a Blade Runner-esque future for Times Square that instead of being who can be the loudest, that it becomes an outdoor museum. That there is thoughtfulness and conscientious content that is created that could actually allow all of the conversations that are taking place in that space to be understood by people in that space as opposed to whoever's the loudest wins. Yeah, that's a very interesting provocation. I, <laughs> I'm trying to imagine what a space like that would feel like. I don't know. Um, I don't think anything does quite exist like that right now. How quickly after implementation can you tell if you got a project quote unquote right? When do you know? Yeah, well, I think that there's definitely the, the, the feeling and the creative intuition as you're creating a project. You, you, you kind of just know if you've got something good or if you need to double back and rethink things. What, one of my favorite things about this type of work, and that is doing, doing digital uh, activations in physical spaces, is that it's really easy to see if it was successful or not. All you gotta do is show up and look at the people. Um, are they paying attention? Do they enjoy it? Um, you know, this funny story, when we, were, uh, when we were doing install, the building was not quite finished and uh, there was about 50 construction workers uh, still in the lobby area, dust everywhere. You know, you can imagine the amount of noise and hammering and sawing that's going on. 
uh, and we, uh, we flipped the switch on and all the noise just stopped. And everyone kind of just has this moment where they're kind of looking up at this massive mesmerizing thing happening. Uh, and that lasted for about 30 seconds and then the phones came out. So, you know, we, we knew, <laughs> we knew we were onto something at that moment, but it's been nice, you know, to, to see how the, the piece settles in, you know, how to, how do the people that see it every day, is it still, is it still interesting to them, um, on day 60 as it was on day one, um, you know, seeing people that are kind of walking their dogs or going for a run, um, coming up to the building and kind of knocking on the window at night and saying, what is this? Tell us what's going on in here. I mean, these are the types of things that, that are concrete evidence that you did your job right. Um, and you, you don't really need complex analytics to, to, to see it, right? And I think the real measurable ROI for something like that, it's tangible, is how people feel about going to work in that building every day, passing that display, passing that experience. It can have a psychological effect on the rest of their day. The first thing you see when you walk into wherever you work on a daily basis can directly affect the way the rest of your day goes. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's science behind this. I mean, there's a, a well-known technique of priming that's used in a lot of different disciplines, which is exactly what you described there. So, you know, your psychological, your physiological state before you enter work um, is really important and can be um, designed um, for, from a, for, for positive intent. Uh, and, you know, I think it's, it, it is important to be thinking about um, the, the emotions we want people to feel. And, and is there a sense of curiosity for visitors that we can create? Is there a sense of, um, of pride in employees? Yeah, I'm proud to work here. Um, or I anticipate, I'm eager to show up because I want to see what's on today. Uh, you know, these are things that we think about a lot. And uh, I think that we, we have a little bit of work to do and connecting the dots for how you actually measure that from a from a value standpoint, um, but the it, from from one standpoint, it it does seem to us like common sense. I am often guilty of focusing on the visual part of AV, and you do not do that. You give equal attention to the audio part. You know, we talked about Times Square being digital visual shouting, uh, the tranquility that comes with a project like Unify is not just visual. The audio part is just as important, right? Yeah. In fact, the audio component might even be more important when it comes to making people feel something. Um, and you, and you see it, you, well, rather you hear it <laughs> when you're standing there, uh, in the lobby, um, you can experience this thing with sound and without sound. And there's a, a, a very big difference in terms of the overall impact of the piece. So the way it was designed, you know, this is again, a generative, um, setup. So the visuals are being created in real time and the audio is driven by the same technique as well. So the audio is in sync, uh, with the visuals. We're using a technique called granular synthesis, where you, um, essentially have these little kernels, these little grains of sound that are then manipulated programmatically. Um, in real time by a variety of factors. And we create this kind of organic sonic soundscape. Um, and it is very peaceful. It is very mesmerizing. I think that, um, you know, the ultimate test is, you know, talk to the security guards who are there 24 seven. Um, and if it doesn't get old to them, <laughs> we, we did our job right. Uh, but yeah, sound, sound is such an important aspect of, of environmental design. And especially when the sound and visuals are working together, 
you, you end up with a, a, another level of, of impact. Um, and then, you know, there's a, there's a whole other world of possibilities. And when you're working in the, the, the physical environment, you have the ability to design for all five senses. Um, and, and we know that the more senses you activate, the more emotionally compelling um, an experience is, the more it's going to stay in your memory. Um, and so, yeah, this is a, a, a big kind of guiding thought for our design practice at Second Story. Using that generative sonic system reminds me of a gift that I was given years ago called a rain stick. Are you familiar with what a rain stick is? I think so. It's uh, you, you kind of turn it upside down and, and the little, little pieces fall. It sounds like rain. That seems like a very simple, natural, cool idea. Was it like a lightning bolt when you realized that you could do that behavior with digital sound in the system? Well, you know, I mean, it's interesting that the, the reference you gave is, is totally appropriate. I mean, it's how nature works. And if you think about it, nature has all the best inventions. You know, all you got to do is pay attention. And there is something about uh, the way that organic sounds are created um, that you know, if, you, if, you can, if you can find a way to internalize that and, and use that, I think you end up with something that's just much more likely to be appreciated by human beings. Because we are dialed in to appreciate nature, you know? I don't want to embarrass you by listing off all of the awards that you've won for design, but I think it's safe to say you are an artist at heart. Has technology finally caught up with the art that is inherent in design? Well, first I got to say, um, thank you for the kind words, but the our, our design practice is totally a team sport. Um, so the type of work we do is, is, is not even remotely possible um, from the mind of just one person. Um, it, it really requires a, a pretty broad um, multidisciplinary team uh, kind of gelling as one unit. And, and we, we work really hard uh, to kind of get a lot of these very, very disparate, we call them, um, they're, they're unusual suspects. They're folks you don't normally find sitting together under the same roof, you know, when you have folks who used to design you know, buildings, so architects that don't want to make buildings anymore, industrial designers that don't want to make products, visual effects people, hardware software engineers. Get all these people together, um, get them in a flow state, and magical things come out. I mean, it's like, it's like cooking, right? So you, you um, apparently I, I've been told I use a lot of cooking metaphors <laughs> when I describe the creative process, but it, it really is like that. So you know, if you think about everyone wants to innovate, everyone wants to do something new. Well, if you're cooking with the same set of ingredients everyone else is, there's only a limited amount of possibilities for what you can come out with. However, if you change up your set of ingredients and you mix them up in different ways, you have a lot of net new combinations that are possible. Um, and that's how we approach it. So yeah, so I think that's a big part of it is the more variety and diversity you can get in terms of the types of creative practitioners that are working together, the more epic the outcomes. Are you able to do the things that you're imagining or are you still waiting for technology to catch up for your next crazy idea? I think technology, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's just a tool and it's always changing and it's always going to be a little different next year than it was the, the year before. Um, and so I think that uh, we, we try to take an approach that it's not necessarily about using the, the latest and greatest or, or what the, the newest tech advancement is. Oftentimes, it's taking um, technology that's existed for a while and just doing something different with it or combining it with a material, a physical material, in a totally different way. Um, 
So, so I think that um, it, it, it kind of feels like we, we already live in a world of plenty in terms of the types of tools and materials we have at our disposal. Um, I think we're more interested in um, getting a lot of disparate points of view together to collaborate to yield something new. You do not approach a project with the mindset, let's uh, beat what we did for somebody else. You approach each project trying to literally alter the fabric of the environment of that customer's space. Unify is, it's a leap from standard space filling. Yeah, I, I think that uh, certainly the scale of it um, is, 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 is pretty spectacular. Um, the, the, you know, this, this technique, uh, has been around for a while. Um, we're, we're just now starting to see more and more, um, instances of it emerge in, in bigger and unusual ways. So, uh, you know, I think that just thinking about your question, it was a great question. Uh, you're right. We, we don't approach every project as, uh, how do we top the last one? But there is an additive quality to it, which is we have a certain point of view about how do you how do you design interactive spaces, um, and how do you how do you do so in a way that is um, um, additive to the human experience? And so we do like to look at every opportunity as a way to build upon that design practice and say, okay, well, with this particular brief, with this set of circumstances in this particular space, what could we do? What could we explore? That, that builds upon what we already know about what people appreciate and enjoy and want to welcome into their lives. So now I'm going to give you a challenge. Without saying the Las Vegas Strip or Times Square, is there a space anywhere in the world that you would love to get your hands on? Mm, that's a great question. Let me think about that for a minute. And it doesn't have to be the Louvre. And it doesn't have to be the Met. It could be anywhere. Is there a space you've seen that you think, oh man, we could do something really just mind-bending there? Yeah, that's great. That's a great question. I would say for me personally, um, I think that there's a lot to be explored in integrating more natural environments. Uh, so, you know... Like Red Rocks? Well, yeah, that's a great one. That That's a perfect one. There you go. You know, I think that... Uh, it depends on the location. There, there, there's obviously um, a certain amount of uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for here. Um, there, there is a. <laughs> our team has a great respect um, for nature, and our we are all um, nature and wildlife enthusiasts. So, so it's it's quite an odd um, discipline for us to be working in, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but, 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 you know, it is interesting to think about, okay, we're, we're integrating uh, this digital technology, these digital canvases into the built environment. Um, what are the different ways that we could in integrate it into the natural environment that are appropriate? Um, and I think that's a, that's an area that has just barely been, um, explored and, and, and it's kind of interesting to think about what that might look like. You got a pretty big challenge on your plate there, my friend, and I'm going to be very interested to watch and see the next great idea that you guys come up with. Today, it has been my absolute pleasure to have a conversation with Joel Krieger, the Chief Creative Officer for Second Story. Joel, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And for anybody who hasn't seen Unify, I would suggest you either go, stop by, tell them Joel sent you. 
I don't know if that'll help you, but do it anyways. Just see what kind of looks they get on their faces. Joel, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, Sean.